one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. So Australia go one nil up in the Ashes series after uh, edging a, another thriller at Edgebaston by just two wickets. We'll get uh, the reaction from both Pat Cummins and Ben Stokes, and former England captain Andrew Strauss joins us to look ahead to the Red for Ruth Day during next week's second Test at Lords, and we'll also discuss Ben Stokes's leadership as captain. Lancashire bowler Phoebe Graham joins us to look ahead to the start of the Women's Ashes this week at Trent Bridge. And we'll end the show by looking at some of the other stories this week as the World Cup qualifiers begin in Harare and Bulawayo and a few England internationals are on the move. So plenty to come over the next hour. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Army, there was no doubt that uh, Ben Stokes, well, he, he used the word devastated. He hates losing test matches. There are a lot of people who are engaging in a lot of what-ifing and butting. Stokes is not one of them. Um, he doesn't regret the first innings declaration. Many people said that might have cost England another 20, 30, 40 runs that could have made the difference in the test match. But he made the decision at the time. He made every decision on the basis that it was a good decision at the time. And as I said, he's not engaging in what-ifing and what-butting and uh, he's just going to concentrate on the next test. Yeah, no, he should do. No, he should do. And I think if if they go the what if and what but, if they carried on for another 40, 20, 30, 40 runs, if they got that, because they were all if, then this test match from day three would have probably been looking at this is going to be a draw with the rain that was around. Go remember we finished the game with four overs to go. He declared we're he declared with seven overs to go on the night. It looks like seven, eight overs to go on the night of the of the first year with a change of innings. That no ball, the last ball of, I think it was a, the third over, meant he only got four instead of five overs. You know, if you want to go down ifs and buts, we'll go down that route. That, you know, he might not have, he might have got 20 runs. He might he might have batted for another two overs, two wickets and two balls. And then they would have had to come off anyway because um, the change of innings would have meant that Australia wouldn't have time to come back out and bat. So you lost 10 minutes at the end of day one anyway. So I don't have a problem with the declaration. The declaration what didn't cost England the game. I thought it was a fantastic game of cricket. The, the thing about this side is, this side makes mistakes. This side, you know, sometimes in their game plan, it's flawed. Sometimes you scratch your head going, why on earth are you doing that? 
but for me, it, you, it's far outweighed by the, the game plan and the way that we're playing and the trying to win the game at every single point. I'm not bothered about that. I'll never have a go at them for, for declar- the declaration. I'll never have a go at them for the shot selection that they're trying at the time or the game plan they're trying to execute or the way it's going. If you ever go them for anything, it possibly is a shot execution. But that's the only thing I'd ever go at them at. The rest of it, for me, Test cricket was dead 12 months ago. And the way things are going now, and the way things that McCullum and Stokes are trying to you know, portray for his team to play, that for me is so so positive. And what you've got with that, you've got times where there are going to be mistakes made. I'd much rather that watching this team, because I think the longer that goes on, the mentality that you show, you win more than you'll lose. Unfortunately, they've lost a close one. If they keep playing like that and they come down to the wire like that five in the next four games, I think they'll win more than they'll lose and they'll still win the Ashes. OK, well, this is what Stokes had to say about the declaration. I'm a captain and a person who's seen that as an opportunity to pounce on Australia. Um, you know, no opening batsman likes to go out for, for 20 minutes before the close of play and the way in which we played... Uh, and took Australia on actually allowed us to be able to do that and you know I could also turn around and say if if we didn't declare would we have got that excitement like we did at the end of day five I'm not 100% sure but you know I'm not going to be looking back on this game as what ifs you know there's so many things that happened throughout the five days which we could look back on and say if that went our way could this game have been different but the reality is that you know we just didn't manage to get over the line this week. England captain uh, Ben Stokes, and just on your point about inspiring the next generation, you know McCullum and Stokes set out uh, twelve months ago on this journey with obviously the aim of winning Test matches, but it seemed that their primary aim was uh, to get people not just interested in Test cricket again, but loving it. Um, and this is how he thinks that's going. Losing sucks. Any game you play, any sport you play or anything you do, you know, you, you always want to be the winner. You know, but you, you're right, not sort of putting the the result at the top of everything that we sort of think about actually really helps us go out and play, you know, free-spirited cricket. You know, I know everyone who came out and supported us, you know, who bought a ticket this week would have loved to see us win. Everyone who watches on TV would have loved to have seen us win. And um, we're desperately upset for them that they didn't manage to see England get over the line. But if people haven't been on the edge of their seat, you know, throughout this whole test match, you know, sort of any situation that the game found itself in, in particular last hour, then I'm not quite sure what will in cricket. You know, the the conversation in the dressing room there at the end, you know, like even some of our support staff, you know, their kids want England shirts now. had, you know, a message from my neighbour saying um, his son was playing cricket on the weekend and he did what England would do in his situation, you know. So when you put things into perspective like that about what we want to do in terms of, you know, just inspiring a generation that said a lot in cricket but the amount of positive things that we've heard from the style in which we're playing is such a great thing to hear that you know in 10-15 years time when you know there's a few players who won't be around that we've sort of managed to inspire them to pick up a cricket ball and a cricket bat but don't get me wrong in what I've just said there losing sucks we'd always want to win well he's absolutely right um you know I mean we Gosh, the test match lived up to its billing, didn't it? I mean, you know, there was the big fear with all the hype for six months beforehand that uh, it wouldn't live up to expectations, but it it absolutely did in in every possible way. What did you... The the other question that people will ask, obviously, is Johnny Bairstow looked a bit rusty behind the stumps. And again, I get the impression that, uh, you know, Stokes and McCullum would say, well, 
we knew that that was a risk that we were prepared to take. You know, he scored 78 fantastic runs in the first innings. And yeah, you mentioned the fact that England would make mistakes. And Johnny did look a bit rusty behind the stumps. And there were a couple of let-offs with Quadja and Cameron Green that might have made a difference. But part of the England strategy is they back their players and they invest a lot of faith in them. Absolutely. And I think that's not just Johnny. I think that's quite a few. Zach at the top. Ben Duckett will come into question because of the two shots he played. Um, and yeah, he's inexperienced. That comes with it. He'll learn. He'll, like I said, execution more than selection or you know the game plan. Not really bothered about the big shot that you play. Just play it better. You know, and that for me is what I'd be saying if I was in that in that environment at this minute in time. Um, the Johnny Bester one. Look, Jimmy Anderson looked a bit rusty. I thought Ollie Robinson first innings looked a bit rusty. Hadn't played for a while. This is what you're gonna you're gonna get. But I also look at it and think, well, they're going to get better. You know, Jimmy Anderson, he's played a fair bit of cricket for Lancashire before that month that he had off. So did Ollie Robinson. So that that time off might do them the world of good because there's a chance that their bodies might hold up because they've had a month off. Their bodies might hold up for one more test match than possibly we expected. There's, decision, there's a decision to make at, at Lords because I think Mark Wood has to play. I think we just missed that little bit of injection of pace. But again comes back to the, the best old conundrum. It's all well and good saying folks can, should be playing. It's all well and good me sitting here saying Mark Wood's got to play. But that's 13. You know, how do I get 11 players out of that 13 is the, the tough decisions. Ben and Brendan went this way. They nearly paid off. But Johnny Bairstow over Ben Folks is not an argument. It really isn't an argument. Johnny Bairstow has to play. And for me, this is the only way it fits. he fits in the side. I've heard nonsense about opening batters. Stokes and, and, and Bairstow, they're not natural doing that. Pick an opening batter to, to be an opening batter. Pick a little middle-order batter to be a middle-order batter. Be a wicketkeeper batter to be a wicketkeeper batter. Pick the best one you think is the natural fit for this side. And for me, it's Johnny Bairstow. Ben Fox is a much better keeper than Johnny Bairstow. No question that. The all-round package comes into the equation every single time when you're playing international cricket. And uh, Johnny wins. Johnny wins comfortably on that front. He will get better the longer the series goes on because naturally he hasn't kept for such a long time. And there will be mistakes, like we've said with this regime. But for one, having one you know, indifferent game behind the stones, people saying, I told you so, no chance. You will, Johnny reels off 100 off about 75, 80 balls and you win a game that way. I don't think Ben Folks can do that, but he's, you know, the club work, I can see their argument. But the all-round package, no chance. There are many ways to win a chess match, of course. You can do it by making the uh, front running, or you can do it by chasing. And uh, a lot of people say that, well, Australia were hanging on to England's coattails for much of the of the test match. But you know what? In some ways, to hang on and... Uh, to win it, to win the race in the, in the last, uh, on the closing straight of the last lap is uh, in many ways very impressive. This is what Pat Cummins had to say afterwards. 2019 is probably the series we look at the most because most of us were here and that kind of, you know, two all at the end of the series, that felt like kind of unfinished business. So again, we played obviously, you know, England this first test match, but India, you know, a week ago as well. So we feel like we're, we're well suited to these conditions. We're used to them. Um, we're a fairly, stable team and um yeah we know what we need to do to be at our best and we'll just keep doubling down on that unfinished business 
Um, well, there's a lot of business still to come, um, obviously, with four test matches. So let's just have a look ahead to Lord's Army. And um, do Australia bring Mitchell Stark back ahead of Scott Boland? Boland was, uh, had his most expensive test match ever. In fact, he, it, was his mo- it was his second most expensive first-class game. You know, it's been a long, long time since the batters climbed into him like they did there. So do they bring Stark back, who is naturally goes four and over anyway, um, but does obviously add a point of difference? And what if Moan Ali's not fit? Moan Ali's not fit, it's simple. You play four seamers. And I, and I hate saying this. I really hate saying it because I've always been a big pusher for you always play spin bowler at Lords because of the slope, DRS, you know, that front pad is in the game even more with it, with the slope that's involved. But I look at the options and you go, Liam Dawson, he's probably the, he would be the front runner. Do you really want to chuck, even though Liam's experienced and I think he'd do a good job, do you want to chuck a, a, a debutant into the, the cauldron? You want nil down, the pressure that goes with it. Will Jackson, Rian Ahmed, well, Rian Ahmed has hardly bowled over the course of the last few weeks. Will Jacks, He's a batter who bowls spin at best. And we've got one of them. And Joe Root, he's a better spin bowler than Joe Root. Yeah, the argument would be that Joe's, even now, well, the argument is that Joe's still our best spinner. But when it comes to that, do you want to go down that route? I think it would be unfair on Will Jacks to have him as your frontline spinner. So they're the options. And then you go, well, hold on. Our fourth team would probably be a better option than spin bowler anyway. And if that fourth team has got a pace, serious pace, then I think it makes makes more sense just to play four seamers um, in that in that Lords Test match. The other side, does Stark come back in? Yeah, I think he does. I think they use the slope at Lords to his benefit. And another ninety mile an hour bowler. I, I thought straight away when Scott Boland, all talking about Scott Boland being line and length and metronomical hits top of off stump. Not against this side. This side belts that. This side hits that 360 degrees around the ground. And we've seen Joe Root do that uh, and one or two others reverse sweep him. So I think Stark comes back in and we've had a we've had a fantastic test match, man. It's been gripping, you know, end to end. And we're going to chuck two 90 mile an hour bowlers into the contest now. I just think it's going to get better and better once once the uh, once Stark and Wood start playing as well. It'd be fantastic at Lords. Very, very quickly, finally, if Mark Wood does play, based on the last five days, I guess he's in for Jimmy Anderson. He's in for Jimmy Anderson. You, you don't know what Ollie Robinson, Ollie Robinson was wearing two odd boots. He was wearing a New Balance boot and an Adidas boot, which tells me that there's an underlying problem there. So you might have to you know, sacrifice Ollie. I think he goes in for Mo and Ali. I just look at that. I just don't see how Moen can be can be fit. And if even even a, a slight doubt, I think that further down the line, you're going to possibly need to spend them more than what you are going to ha- need them at Lords. And you might have to say to Moen, look, just make sure that is 100% fit. We make get that healed up, try and get the finger hardened as quick as we can over the course of the next two and a bit weeks. And then you've got three test matches. Because if he plays at Lords and it, it, it rips again, with three test matches in such a short space of time, Moen might be out for the series. And that, I think I'd run the risk of not going in with a spinner to make sure I've got Moen for the last three test matches, then taking him to Lords, him ripping again, and then with the three back-to-back test matches, him not being able to play in them three. I'd rather lose him for one 
and keep him for three than lose than play him in one and, and potentially lose him for the series. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport Two with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Now then, next week will mark the fifth anniversary of uh, the Red for Ruth Day, the Ruth Strauss Foundation, as Lords turns Red for Ruth to raise awareness and funds to support families facing the death of a parent from cancer. Earlier this week, Harmony and I were joined by former, uh, his former teammate and Ashes winning captain, Sir Andrew Strauss, to find out a bit more about what they're up to. The sad fact, and it is a very sad fact, is that since we launched the foundation, you know, over 160,000 children have lost a, a parent. Those are dependent children. Um, about 127 a, a day have to go through that all family of, you know, those dependent children losing a mother or a father. And obviously the other parent having to step up and, and try and guide them to awful uh, process. And and I suppose what we've realised with the Ruth Strauss Foundation is that, you know, being there to support families ahead of uh, the death, i.e. that sort of pre-bereavement stage to try and help the family pre- to prepare for what's to come really has hugely beneficial effects in terms of allowing the, the family to cope with that that awful and to feel like they're a part of the process, however hard that is. And and um, what we know for a fact is that unresolved grief, i.e. grief that isn't talked about, that families that don't deal with this stuff well, families that don't have the support, you know, that's where you get you know, potential issues and troubles for, for their children down the line. So we're trying to play our part. We've got a long way to go. We are offering support where we can. We're training up health care professionals. Uh, we're doing peer-to-peer group support. for. But there's a long way to go, and that's why, obviously, we, we need further help and some money as well to, to help us deliver on that mission. And just over three million, fifth year of the, uh, of the Ruth Strauss Foundation, are you surprised at how the cricket family have come together? Oh, not surprised the cricket family have come together because Lords on that afternoon when it got that morning when it goes red, it's unbelievable. When we first did it in 2019, it was you know the Ruth Strauss Foundation was really not much more than a more than a sort of an idea, and it was a deeply emotional time for myself and my boys four years ago. But but I think we we're one of so many families that have gone through this and. And the fact that it, it resonates with people, the cricket family have been extraordinarily generous. You know, if you think about what we've been through over the last four years with, with COVID and people going through their own issues and troubles and, and difficulties in life for them to keep supporting us. You know, we're very conscious that we keep knocking at the door, but we, we only do that because there's just so much more for us to do. Um, and we're only really at the start of this journey. And uh, hopefully people still feel like it's a cause worth supporting. It's not just a question of, handing over the cash is it i mean it, um, there's there's merchandise and and there's just so much creativity that uh, has gone into the foundation as i mentioned before you've obviously got some extraordinary people working for you or working in the foundation um and they're doing an amazing job but yeah just tell us how people can donate and and and, and what merchandise they can buy yeah well i think the first thing you know try and we're, we're sort of challenging everyone to try and help uh, on, on, on Thursday the 29th, whether you're there or whether you want to just post something of you wearing red on your social media media channels, that would be incredible. So just to show that you're supporting us, that, that means an extraordinary amount to us. But, you know, if you do want to make a donation, uh, just go to the, the Ruth Strauss Foundation website, ruthstraussfoundation.com forward slash donate, or you can text to donate as well by texting 1020 
30, et cetera, pounds to uh, 7,600. Um, there's also an auction on, on our website as well, where there, there are lots of uh, pretty juicy uh, auction prizes for people to bid on as well. As well, And of course, the, the merchandise also on our website. So there's loads of ways of people playing a part in this, big or small, you know, and I think that's the point. You know, we're very conscious that, you know, that these are t- tough times for people and people don't have a load of spare cash out there, but anything you can do to support is gratefully appreciated. I'm looking forward to don- donating. Are you are you working? Are you commentating for Sky? I'm looking forward to donating just to see you in that red suit walking around the ground because it's one of your best ones, that one, Strauss, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm just about squeezing into it, but... We both know, Harmony, don't we, that it's quite hard to keep trim after you finish playing cricket. Oh, absolutely. I'm not a fast bowler anymore. I'm an all-rounder. Without batting and without bowling, that's my title in life, never mind in in cricket. In speaking of the cricket, there's a lot of comparisons, 2005, with what's happening so far. Yeah, this has been a you know, it's been a great build-up to the to the series, have you you see much of the comparisons between the two, and and just talk to us about your the sort of leadership qualities that you think obviously you you, you like about Ben because it was different to yours because you didn't have an all rounder, you had a side which went to Australia and won and very successful four bowlers. Ben's had the all rounder; he wants to play this different brand of cricket. How impressed have you been with that? Well, I think firstly, Harmi, I've just I've absolutely loved the approach, you know, and and I've also loved the sentiment behind it, which is this is about entertaining. This is about breathing new life into test cricket. This is about creating wonderful memories for those people on the team and defying convention. And, it's you know, just saying that it's motivating, isn't it? It's such a great sort of mindset to get into as a group of individuals. Um, and they've been true to their word. And so they've gone out there when they... They keep astounding us at times by what they do, but this method in the madness, and I think that's that's tremendous. When when the ball is old and the pitch is flat, and you've got great natural stroke players, go and give it a whack, you know. It's, and I think that, that as you can see, that the that's engaged the public and how people have been with their they love the whole sort of bag baseball philosophy, and I, I think the real triumph in all of this, and of course we don't know how the Ash is going to end up is that two leaders in Ben Stokes and Brendan McCullum have taken an idea and a concept and a concept and landed it so that's no easy feat you know there's there's always going to be detractors there there's always going to be people who go this is ridiculous you can't play test cricket always got people in your team who are worried about their place in the side and therefore don't want to give their wicket away unnecessarily so to get that buy in to sort of indoctrinate people into that philosophy is a great feat of leadership um, he's a leader that's led very much from this front in, in everything he's done, his approach, the way he's spoken, the way he's gone out on the pitch and performed. And and truth be told, it, it's not an easy philosophy for opposition teams to deal with. And we've seen that, you know, at times in the first test where Australia have had to be very un-Australian and, and, and not do what they would naturally do. And, you know, as I said, over the course of the Ashes, we don't know exactly turn out, but I, I do know for sure that us playing this way makes us a better team and a harder team to beat than us playing the way we did two or three years ago um and so they've taken a group of individuals a group of 11 players and and made the sum of their parts much better by 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 andrew when you see the way that ben stokes captains now 
Have you ever looked back at your own captaincy career, which was brilliant, by the way? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with your record as captain. But but when you see the things that Ben does now, I mean, not just the declaration in, in the first innings at Edgebaston, but all of the other sort of funky things that, that he does. Do you look back now at your own time and think, yeah, well, I would have loved to have done a few of those things, but, you know, it just wasn't the time and place. It was the England captaincy. <laughs> well, I, I think on reflection, I was more focused on win, like, uh, you know, winning a series rather than a focus enough on, you know, the entertaining the crowd bit. You know, I think in, in my time, we were quite a sort of um, drive for success all the time. Um, and so that philosophy was successful for us. But uh, I, I probably do reflect and go, well, maybe we should have risked losing more. Like, well, end of the day, who cares if you lose? You know, as long as you're giving it a good crack and, and people, people are going to support you if that's your, your way of doing things. And uh, so, yeah, I suppose I, I do. You know, I'm a very different character to Ben. And I think I would have found it harder to pull it off in quite the same. But, I, you know, as I said, like still evolving and changing. And I, I think what we've seen with Brendan... And Stokes the other months is a, is a real step change in the way the test test cricket is played, and it will never be the same again. You know, I think that, that that's that's moved things forward significantly, and I think you're going to see more and more teams adopting a similar approach in the future. And Shruti, before we let you go, you've you've stepped down from the sort of strategy advisor, uh, EC board, the performance committee. Reflection on on that a few weeks out, and after what will be a, an unbelievable week at Lords. Uh, what's next for Andrew Strauss? Yeah, I mean, look, it's obviously, uh, you know, hard to step away from the ECB. I've spent pretty much all of the last eight years in and around the, the ECB offices and um, trying to play my natural ending point for me. I was very involved in the High Performance Review last year and um, and, and obviously, you know, delighted that, that some elements of that that review have been uh, taken on board. Uh, less delighted that some other bits haven't, but that that's life, and I understand that that's not my choice to make. That's the game's choice to make. So I, I'm moving on. Like I think it's really important for you to to I suppose have your life. And at the moment, for me, it's it's about getting involved with a couple of business ventures in mine that, that aren't so involved in venture performance coaching company called Mindfleek, and I'm involved with a. Uh, sort of private equity business, equity business, investing in sport as well. So I forward, almost like a proper job, Harmony. I mean, <laughs> who would have thought? Who would have thought? But uh, I used to get on the train and go into London. We'll, we'll see what it's like in the middle of the winter. <laughs> so, Andrew Strauss, thank you so much. Um, enjoy Lords. I'm sure it'll be a cracking occasion. And um, once again, you know, on behalf of the many, many thousands of families and children, mums and dads that you've helped, thank you. No, real pleasure. And thanks so much for your support. I really appreciate it. It's former England captain Sir Andrew Strauss talking about the Red for Ruth Day as Lords turns red on day two to support the Ruth Strauss Foundation. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and two-time county championship winner Steve Harmison. Um, just before we go on to um, part three and uh, preview the start of the Women's Ashes, Harmi, um, England and Australia men's team both find 40% of their match fee for a slow overrate. And I have to say that one thing about Ben Stokes' captaincy is that uh, it, it is slow. <laughs> it does an awful lot of tinkering with the field. So 40% for both teams. Um, just as intriguing, perhaps more intriguing, was the fine that was handed out to Moeen Ali, though, for, um, for using a, a, a drying agent on his hands. Yeah, I was disappointed with that. I really was. Yeah, they've been using that for years, and there's—I don't think there's any COVID 
issues with doing that. So why is it why is it surfaced now? It's been that that spray has been used for a number of years. I I, I didn't get that fine. The thing I'm pleased I'm pleased in a way that the players have been fine for a slow over it because that for me is more important. You know, we're losing over after over at the end of each day's play, and there's where the solution is. That that's for another day, but. We probably lost about 20-odd overs. So when you look at it, the game was finished with four overs to go. These little things just annoy the supporters. They pay a lot of money for a ticket to not get a full day. That's something that annoys me. And when Moen got fined 25% of his match fee, I'm going, hold on. You know, we're finding somebody for trying to dry their hands, but we're not camping down on slow over rates and the game not being not being sort of, you know, people getting their full value for the, the ticket price they're paying. So... As much as, yes, the players will be disappointed in me saying, yeah, you're thankful for getting fined the slow over it. There's more the umpires can do. There's more the players can do. I think it needs to be hurried up um, and hitting them in the pocket. Will it work? Well, well, it's a start. But to find Moen for trying to dry his hands, especially with a finger, if he wasn't allowed to use a elastoplast on his finger, I thought that was a bit harsh. I really did. And bring back Moen Ali. Comes into test cr- back into test cricket, and we hit him with a sixty-five percent fine. I'm sure he slept. You know, ben Stokes says he's already he can sleep in his own bed. Good job he didn't have to pay too much petrol as well. Or Moen might have, might have, might have been sort of paying to play for England this week. So I think all in you all, know, it's not been the greatest of weeks for Moen. The heart, the, the irony, Harmy, and and it is deeply ironic. Is that, as you said, this um, is something that's been used by players for years and years and years. But they do it in the privacy of the change room. Moen was trying to keep the game moving. He was trying Absolutely. to save time by using it on the field. It was just a, one of those, you know, ridiculous arcane laws that says, you know, you can't use any artificial substances. But it's <laughs> it's like, okay, if you're going to use a mint on the ball, just don't let us see. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you're saying the artificial substances. All he's doing is drying his hands. So what's the difference between that and a towel? It really is. And, he, and, and you're right. Moen could easily have walked off the field at the end of every over and gone with his finger in the air. I've got an injury. I'm going off. Spread it. Come back on. But like you say, he's trying to keep the gear moving. I thought Moen was excellent this week. Yeah, he was in, he would have been in so much pain. Yeah, can you imagine yeah, they were talking about a yeah, little sort of different terminology, saying like an opera singer losing his voice and still having to go out and perform. You've got no idea how much pain that would have been for an off-spinner, off-spinner to, with the, the way it was going. He didn't shirk his responsibility. He kept going. Yes, he bowled the odd bad ball because of it, and he had to change the way he played. But I thought Mo and Ali, you know, really fought for the cause this week. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where he, how he pulls up. Next Wednesday, when the toss is made for Lords, whether he's in the side or not. Right. Next up in part three, Lancashire bowler Phoebe Graham. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fastballer Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now then, the uh, women's ashes being played alongside the men's, which is a, a fabulous innovation, I suppose. We'll hear from Kate Cross on that subject in just a moment. But uh, now, looking ahead to Trent Bridge, we're joined, uh, as promised, at the top of the show by Lancashire bowler Phoebe Graham to talk all things women's ashes. Huge anticipation, uh, again, ahead of this. I have to say that, once again, the, the two teams are probably not quite as evenly matched as the two, as the, as the two me- as the men's sides. Australia is still out there in, in front in the, in the women's game. Phoebe, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, the Ashes champion since 2013, the T20 and 50 over World Cup winners, as well as Commonwealth game winners. So they've certainly got it all in the cabinet in terms of trophies and know how to win games of cricket. But England women have got a new lease of life under John Lewis. He came into leadership in November time. They've recruited a few new players that are young, exciting, energetic. And I think the team have got something about them. They've got nothing to lose. And I think it'll be an exciting series for the women. And it begins on Thursday, Phoebe, five days. Um, How good is it to see that it's five days and not four? Because the last few years, the rain affected four days has just not been enough. So how good is it to have the fifth day just to make sure they get exciting cricket and a result? Exactly. I think both teams want to see a result and that's what the fifth day will bring for both England women and Australia women. I think the forecast looks good here at Trent Bridge, so I think it'll be a good five days ahead. But yeah, everyone's excited that it's five days of cricket for the women's game now. Let's hear that uh, from Kate Cross, though, uh, as I mentioned earlier, about the, the, the two Ashes being played alongside each other. Young Kate was watching men play cricket at Trent Bridge and didn't know that women played cricket at that point. So honestly, it's so incredible to be part of that movement. And I've said this a few times, but it's one of those things that when I eventually do retire and look back, you'll kind of see the the bigger picture and how important it all was. But we're kind of riding the wave at the minute and getting all these incredible opportunities to play at big venues and trying to sell crowds out. And we've known it for a long time. We know that women's cricket deserves that kind of space, I think, to to kind of showcase what we can do. 
And I think the way that this series and this campaign has been marketing, marketed alongside the men's has, has really proved that people want to come and watch women's cricket. Um, and if it's visible then people and people know about it, then they will buy tickets and come and watch. So um, Ashes cricket is so great to be a part of anyway, but to have two series run alongside each other um, as a cricket badger myself, I would have loved to have watched any Ashes cricket back-to-back when I was a kid. So hopefully we can... Um, inspire the, the country to get behind us like they have been doing with the men and kind of use that as our momentum as well so yeah like I said can't wait to get going on Thursday. That's Kate Cross uh, talking about the fact that uh, the Ashes are being played um, alongside each other the format is um, really interesting you know when the, the multi-format series was first compiled um, Phoebe I, I have to say I wasn't sold on it and I, I couldn't sort of quite get my head around the fact that, you know, it's a multi-format Ashes series, but I really enjoy it now. I mean, uh, you know, I've, <laughs> I, I think it's a, it's a terrific challenge. Yeah, I think it makes it a really interesting format, doesn't it? So the test match is worth four points and the ODIs and T20 games worth two points. So there'll be one test match and three T20s, three ODI games in this series. And it's just the fact that we don't play multi-day cricket, that we're not able to have those five test matches back to back. I think Heather Knight was speaking yesterday and she says in her 13 years career at England, she's only played 10 test cricket games, which I think that speaks wonders in terms of Mm. how much multi-day format cricket is played in the women's game. So it just balances it out, but it also puts that emphasis on test cricket, which is the best format of cricket in, in anyone's eyes. And the, the, the speaking of Test cricket, the, the men put an absolute epic on it, Edge Baston, first up, all the way down to the wire, three overs left. Um, how good is it that the women's Ashes has gone alongside that? So we're seeing with 100 what it's done for women's cricket. I've made mention a couple of times that, you know, the only good thing about the 100 has been the women's game rather than anything else that the men have, have dished up in, in that format. But the women's game has bounced off the 100. How much of a big bounce can the men's uh, the, the the women's game get off the men's ashes? Oh, it's absolutely huge, and it's the first time that the men's and women's game have been advertised side by side. I think eleven thousand tickets have been sold for Trent Bridge for the first day, which is absolutely incredible. And the game yesterday was out of this world, wasn't it? It was nail biting stuff, and I think that's what John Lewis brings to the England team is trying to encourage the girls to play fearless cricket. We've seen it in the warm-up game. England posted 650 with Tammy Bowman scoring a double ton. So there's runs out there to be scored. The girls are looking to take wickets. I think it's going to be a hell of a series. And the fact that it's side-by-side side just makes this Ashes series even more exciting. Here I go again with two questions in one. What can you tell us about Lauren Filer and Danielle Gibson, the two new faces in the England team? And also how much of a loss... Uh, will Meg Lanning be to to Australia? It's not just Meg Lanning the cricketer, is it? It's Meg Lanning the presence. With Meg Lanning, she's a hell of a player and can score runs for fun for Australia. So it's a huge loss for them and her leadership will be missed by Australia. But it also means that there aren't the same scars there for England. They've got Healy as captain now for Australia. And then you look at the fresh blood coming in for England that are taking on these Aussies, new, and like you say, Danny Gibson, Lauren Filer. This just plays into how John Lewis wants to play his cricket. So he's looking at how can they play an attackive brand of cricket? How can they take 20 wickets? Well, 
Welcome Lauren Filer, who bowls probably the quickest in the regional game. She's not always the most accurate, but what she does is put people on the back foot, hit the splice of the bat, look to bowl bouncers. And I think she could be a bit of an underdog that gets straight into the Ashes 11 because she does take wickets. Not as economical as the likes of a cross, but my gosh, she can be quick and scare the Aussies. And then Danny Gibson is one of the most informed players at the moment. She was the leading wicket taker in the Charlotte Edwards Cup and the third highest run scorer. So she's that all-rounder option that can add with the ball as well. So another exciting player who plays that fearless brand of cricket, I think in the 100, she had 160 strike rate, which is unknown for women's cricket. So two really exciting players and they're the players that John Lewis is looking for to bring into the England squad. And I wouldn't be surprised if one of those two girls start tomorrow. You mentioned John Lewis and you know, the, the, the sort of coming over from the men's team in the England dressing room to the women's dressing room. Um, he's brought a different mindset, different way and outlook. And who is going to, who is the ones that England need to stand out? Who are the, you know, the women that England need to stand out for this series to have any chance and what is John Lewis going to just give that little bit extra to potentially get England over the line? I think the likes of Nat Siverbrunt, one of the world's best. She performed on the IPL final on the world stage under that immense pressure. Sophie Eccleston, the world's greatest T20 one-day bowler. You've got Emma Lamb, Tammy Beaumont, who's scored double t- tons in the friendly. So despite not having the record, I think they have got the players and I think if even three or four of them fire, then it were, we're in for a hell of a series. But the consistent performers probably need to be Sophie Eccleson, Nat Siverbrunt, and then up top, I think we'll see Tammy Bowman with a point to prove so that she can get into the ODI team and T20 team. So I think we're going to see a lot of a, a really good bit of some really good cricket over the next few weeks. And I don't think the Aussies have it in the bag like everyone thinks. Oh, well, I, that was going to be my last point, actually. I, won, I wanted to correct the perception I may have created when I said that Australia is so far ahead in the women's game. I mean, we are talking about the two best teams here. I mean, you look at that England squad and it's like I don't really didn't want to create the impression that that uh, Australia have got this in the bag. I mean, it's uh, honey, you may not be a betting person, um, but but how far ahead are Australia and how much of a chance have England got of winning back the urn after what is it, nine, ten years? Well, the biggest reason they're ahead is because their professional system has been professional for 12 years. Ours has been professional for three. So that's why now John Lewis has a bit more freedom in the choices he can make because girls are coming through through the structures of regional cricket. So in terms of how far ahead are they, they're probably about six or seven years ahead of us in England. But the competition that's coming through can compete against Australia. And that's the big thing now. And there's choice. So they're ahead in terms of their structure, in terms of their system, how well refined they are. But England are up for a big shot here at the Ashes with the players and talent they've got at the top. Phoebe, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for your time. We can't wait. Uh, It does feel like a a real treat having two ashes on the go at the same time. We don't have to wait uh, for a week for the second men's test. We can, uh, we can all uh, watch the action at Trent Bridge. So, yeah, we look forward to it. Thanks for your time once again. Brilliant. Cheers. Nice to see you both. Lancashire bowler Phoebe Graham.
You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and two-time county championship winner Steve Harmison. So let's uh, turn our attention now to goings-on in Zimbabwe and Harare and Bulawayo. The World Cup qualifiers are always going to be a cracking tournament, and it has got off to a brilliant start. The headline, I guess, well, three headlines, I suppose. Zimbabwe and Sri Lanka have both made very impressive starts, but not quite as impressive as Zimbabwe, who uh, chased down 290 in their opening game uh, for the loss of just two wickets. That was against Nepal. And then made very light work of a target of 315 set by the Netherlands. Uh, They are looking extremely impressive. I think what people may not realise, winter cricket in Africa, Harmi, in that part of the world, um, it's bitterly cold in the mornings and the evenings, but the wickets are dead. The grass is dead. I mean, the, you know, middle of the day is lovely and warm, but it is, it, it's like, I mean, 300 is a, is a, <laughs> it's a par score. Uh, and there will be some high scores. Sri Lanka put on 350 against the UAE and beat them massively. But it's an in, intriguing contest. I suppose the headline really is Oman beating Ireland. That's the headline. That's the standout so far. I think it looks as though it's going to be a cracking tournament. Zimbabwe at home on with home advantage. Look as though they've started like house on fire. When you look at the wickets, you say, "Yeah, they look dead." That's why I want one day. I would love one day cricket to be played on them sort of wickets all the time, the flattest wickets possible. Because one day cricket, we're saying that we've been talking about Test cricket being entertaining with this this new regime, but one day cricket is about sixes and fours, whether it's the shortest format, twenty twenty, you know, or the the sort of 50 over longer format. So there's a lot of pressure on these big boys. West Indies, you know, Zimbabwe, Sri Lanka, even Islanders is, is, is under pressure because of they're now in with a big fish. So it looks like, but we've also got to have, be realistic that Ireland, the Netherlands and Scotland, they haven't all got their, their full side, full sides out because a lot of them are playing past as, you know, locals playing in the, uh, in the county championship in England. So, the West Indies, for me, looking at that first game and looking at their scorecard, if that side doesn't qualify, then obviously something's gone wrong because they've got, there's not so much a who's who, they've got their best side out. They've got a lot of IPL um, big hitters in there. You know, Kyle Myers, you look at Nicholas Puran, who's in there. Shay Hope's the captain. Jason Holder, 50 at number eight. Um, in that In that first game, when they beat the USA, I think the West Indies are going to take some stop and Zimbabwe at home, that could just fall nicely into um, a shootout on, on and who goes through. So it's been good to see, but you're, you're talking about the wickets that you're on about. As they get more and more into the tournament, will the spin come into it? Because if they're dead and they're flat and the ball bounces, that's fine. But then all of a sudden, if people have been run up and down on them for the last, for the next sort of four weeks, then does the team that's got the spin bowlers that come into it when it's turning and it's a little bit slower and it's, and that for me then brings the quality of Sri Lanka into play. So West Indies, Zimbabwe and Sri Lanka are probably still the front runners. But when you're looking to pick two from three closer to the end of the game, end of the series, Zimbabwe home advantage is huge. And then does it possibly come down to the big two? West Indies and Sri Lanka, and is Sri Lanka the one that's favourites because of the spin bowlers later on? Yeah, they've got using four venues, so uh, the wickets shouldn't get too tired. And just a final word um, on the new financial model as being proposed by the BCCI, 
in which uh, they take 38% of global revenue. One thing that has been slightly overlooked, I think, is that, uh, you know, apart from the fact that England and Australia only get 4.5% of the revenue or 4.8% of the revenue, what it does mean is that 90 countries share 10% of the ICC's global revenue. And that just undermines the progress and the expansion of the game and the progress of the smaller teams. And you mentioned that the Netherlands are missing seven first-choice players yeah. from these qualifiers. You know, and, and it's not a problem that a couple of hundred thousand dollars, which is barely a peanut um, out of the ICC's global revenue, wouldn't solve. Uh, so that that is a real, real shame. I mean, you know, when you've got teams like the Netherlands and, and as you say, Scotland and Ireland, missing players because... Of a, of a few hundred thousand dollars. It's it's very frustrating. Okay, uh, Matt Parkinson and Dan Lawrence have been in the headlines for different reasons. Well, for the same reason, I suppose they're both moving. Parkinson, um, a three-year contract, his career has come to a shuddering halt, or his progress has anyway. So we wish him the very best of luck. Three-year deal moving from Lancashire to Kent. And Dan Lawrence was an eyebrow raiser. <laughs> the Man City uh, of of cricket. Sorry, um, did they really need another another middle order battle? Do, do they need? I mean, they've got the strongest uh, squad in the country. Anyway, Dan Lawrence is off uh, from Essex to Surrey uh, to um, uh, open quotes continue his development. Yeah, that was that was an eye opener. It wasn't. I, I, I thought Parkinson would be out of Lancashire. I thought he might have gone to Durham because obviously that was his choice on loan. But um, I think the connection with Sam Billings, two years of carrying drinks around for England, has has en- enhanced his chances of going to Kent with uh, with Sam Billings. You know, being obviously close allies with Matt Parkinson, so it's a good move for him. I'm pleased for Matt because he's going to get a game. He's going to get a chance. We all know that leg spinners need to bowl. And he's not bowling anywhere near enough for Lancashire. So take a little half a step back to then come forward. So good luck to him with that. Dan Lawrence, yes. I couldn't believe that when I seen that. But I look at Surrey and go, there's a salary cap. So players must just love playing at the Oval. Because when you look at the salary cap that's going on and you look at their team, I can't can't see them all playing for a bag of buttons. So they'll be, they'll be on a few quid. It'll be close to the top, but... The great man, Mr. Stewart, must balance the books unbelievably well to get the side he's got because we're talking about having more teams or less games in the county championship. And I've always been an advocate for, well, let's try and get a couple of more teams and have three divisions. So his second team could win the second division next year. So it, uh, it's, it'll be interesting to try and pick that side. Good luck back to that one. Trying to pick that side when the England selectors go, right, we need all the players to go back and play first-class cricket for two rounds of matches, and they've all got to play. We're trying to find a way. But they've always been like that, to be fair. Surrey was always like that during my time. You know, I remember in the late 90s, the likes of Thorpe and Butcher and Stewart, Bicknell, um, I'm missing one or two others there. They would all miss for international duty. And I remember one, one, once or twice playing against Surrey when the big boys were playing and they were a formidable outfit. And they're a formidable outfit even now without Dan Lawrence. I can you imagine what they're going to be next year when Dan Lawrence goes and plays? But good move for him. I saw somebody put up on social media um, the full Surrey squad, and they had two 11s 
And they said, imagine these two going head to head. And I couldn't work out which one was the second 11 and which one was the first 11, to be honest. Uh, just very quickly, Ashley Giles back in the game, back in um, full-time administration. He's uh, chief executive at, at Worcestershire. And um, the Aegeus Bowl hosts its first Ashes Test match in 2027. I think that's reward for the uh, the way that they helped bail the ECB out during COVID, I guess. Yeah, and I'm pleased. Pleased for Ron Bramsgrove, top man, um, done brilliant. Invested his own cash into into Hampshire to make that create club better. Move from Southampton into the the new stadium, and just rewards for me. Uh, it really is. I can't speak highly enough of Rod. He's a he not only is a, a good man for in general, but he's a good man in cricket as well. So I'm pleased the Aegeus Bowl. They, they're another one of the, the the modern grounds that's going places, trying to to be the best they possibly can do. So I think that's a good positive move for cricket in this country because of the likes of the Aegeus Bowl and Chester Street and the Swellek or whatever it's called now in 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 Cardiff. When they came around, I thought they kicked the the sort of big counties, test match arenas, into gear to changing. And you look at Edgebaston, magnificent now. Old Trafford was tired. That looks magnificent now. And, and Headingley was tired. So they all look good because of you know, these counties coming along. But it's just rewarding that. And I'm pleased to see big fella back, Jalo back in cricket. Interesting that he's chief executive. But um, Worcester's not far from where he lives. So it's it's a it's a good move for him. And... Worcester have got a good man, a man who uh, loves the game of cricket. And uh, that's a, it's a fantastic appointment for Worcester County Cricket Club to get Ashley Giles in the building. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast on the following on feed. Now available, as always, via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back at a similar time next week to look ahead to next week's second Ashes Test at Lords. But for now, this has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.